Song leaders, if you would, come up. Thomas, come on up, bud. If you would, uh, while the, they're singing kind of their last verse or getting towards the end of the song, if you would, come on up so we can go through one and get as many songs in tonight. I've been singing 484, you are my all in all. 484, you are my all in all. You are my strength when I Let's come on in and be finding a seat. It's time for us to get started tonight. We are very happy that you are here tonight. Uh, we especially want to welcome those who are visiting with us. Thank you for coming. And we want to make sure that uh, we invite you to our Sunday services this coming Lord's Day at 930. And so make your plans to be here for that. And then, of course, our uh, Sunday afternoon Bible classes at 5. We'd love you to come back and be with us then. I hope you had an opportunity to uh, pick up one of our bulletins on the way in. If not, please do so before you leave. You'll find uh, an updated uh, list of those that are sick. Uh, the directory proofs are in the foyer. And uh, if you have not done so yet, Please go back there and look at your picture and all the information, including your birthdays and your telephone number and so forth, and uh, make sure that everything is correct and mark it with an okay. And uh, it's not too late for a new picture. If you just want to do that, you can email it to Jimmy. And uh, Sunday's the deadline for proofing those, so please take care of that. There's several things listed that I'm not going to just mention about Lads to Leaders events on Sunday. Check your bulletin for a detailed list. In addition to uh, those things in the bulletin, Scrapbook is going to meet this coming Sunday afternoon from 2 until 4 uh, in the office across from where Ken's office is or in the room across from Ken's office. So uh, if you're uh, interested in the scrapbook or if you're doing a scrapbook, please meet this Sunday. The Valentine's Banquet, the youth group is going to host uh, this coming Saturday night for members over 55, and we need you to sign the list tonight if you plan to be a part of that. Also, Valentine Date Night Child Care is coming up on February the 17th from 4 until 10 in the TAC. Uh, this is for ages from birth to 12 years old, and uh, if you want to participate in that, uh, please sign the list. Uh, keep in mind uh, the proposed new deacons that were put forth to this congregation on Sunday by our elders. And uh, if you have any comments regarding that, please put them in the designated box uh, in the foyer by February the 18th. We want to extend our sympathy to uh, June Allen in the recent death of her sister-in-law, Peggy Bates of Boonville. Also, we want to extend our sympathy to Larry Morgan in the recent death of his brother-in-law, Charles Bray of Boonville. Uh, I have a, a letter I want to read from Sister Linda Garrett. Uh, she says, I fought the good fight. I finished the course. I've kept the faith. Uh, thank you, church family, for your steadfast prayers, texts, cards, calls, food, and love shown to me uh, with my year-long battle with breast cancer. I've been blessed. I'm now cancer-free. Uh, special thanks to... Uh, Joe for his dedication to me and thanks be to God. So we're always happy when uh, our prayers are answered in that fashion. Uh, the focus group, uh, our singles group, is going to have a food and fun night on February the 17th at Vivid Salon at 6 p.m. It says bring finger foods. All adult singles are invited. If you want more information, see Bonnie Warner. Uh, please keep in mind that tomorrow is our food pantry and clothes closet. We will probably be swamped with people wanting uh, food and clothes. And uh, we have a, a great number who help already. But if you would like to be a part of that, we'd love for you to come and be a part of that. It's from 9 o'clock in the morning until 1030. And the uh, pantry item this week is mac and cheese. If you could bring that, we would appreciate it. Uh, I believe that's all the announcements that I have tonight. Of course, all the adults, except, well, I should say, 
7th through 12th, you're going to go to your classes, but from there up, everybody else is staying here in the auditorium, including all the kids. You, you go down to your regular classes. Uh, everybody through 12th grade, you go where you normally go, but the rest of us will stay in here. We're going to hear a presentation by Brother John Pig and our Brother Ken Forrest. We'll introduce him in just a moment. Uh, but for our devotional tonight, Drew Bruce will lead our singing. Uh, Jerry Legan will lead our prayer. And Carter Sweeney is going to present our devotional thoughts. The invitation song is going to be 912. 912 would be the invitation song. We'll sing that after, at the appropriate time. 912. Once you get that mark, turn to 885, 885. How beautiful heaven must be. big fan of westerns if you name one i've probably seen it i probably own every john wayne and clint easterwood movie ever made one of my favorites though is a tv miniseries called lonesome dove anybody ever heard of or seen it i figured there'd be a few but for those who haven't it's about these two old texas rangers that are played by robert duvall and tommy lee jones uh, woodrow call and gus mccray they decide to start a cattle drive to Montana to see some new country before they get too old and die. So on the way, they run into an old Texas Ranger friend by the name of Jake Spoon, who throws in with them. Now, Jake is not hardworking like Carl and Gus. He's lazy, and he always wants to find an easy way out and to do as little as possible, and he just wants to do whatever gives him pleasure in his life. He soon leaves the cattle drive because he doesn't like the hard work and he wants to go off to pursue some of his greatest pleasures. Jake soon throws in with some crooks who want to rob banks, thinking that it might be some easy money and that at least they'll give him safe passage through Indian territory going with a group. He soon finds out that they are worse than what they first seemed to be when they murder five innocent men for their possessions along the way to their destination. Soon, Gus and Call, they come upon one of these men that were attacked, and they set out to find the killers and capture them. When they do so, and Jake sees it's his old friends, he thinks he's in the clear because he knows that they'll know that he'd never murder somebody, and he tells them that. He said, there's no need to tie me up. He said, y'all know I'd never kill anybody. But then Gus tells him, you know how it works, Jake. You ride with an outlaw, you die with an outlaw. I'm sorry you crossed the line. Then Jake says his famous line from the series, I didn't see no line, Gus, shortly before his hanging. 
often as Christians today, we tend to not see the line. We tend to forget all boundaries and do whatever we want or what is pleasurable for us. We forget to fight the good fight and keep the faith, as 2 Timothy 4, 7 says. There are so many things in this world that catch our eye and that causes us to extend our line, or in many cases, wipe it away completely. Philippians 3.19 refers to the earthly pleasures that ruin our spiritual lives by saying, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. We cannot cross the line between Christianity and sin whenever we choose to simply because we are seeking an earthly high that will only give us temporary satisfaction and jump back into our Christian form whenever it seems convenient. Revelation 3, verses 15 through 16 has something to say about this, and it says, I know your work, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. We have to be able to see the line between spirituality and a heavenly home and the side of death and destruction that leads to an eternity in hell. It is up to, up to us to see where the line should stand. Have you had your line in the right place? If not, and if we can assist you in any way, you please come forward as we stand and sing. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for this day and all the many wonderful blessings that You have blessed us with. And Father, we thank Thee for Thy Son, Jesus, who came to this earth and died on the cross so that we could have forgiveness of our sins. And Father, forgive us, be with us and help us to, and forgive us of our sins and help us to be able to resist the devil and his temptations. And Father, be with our elders and our deacons and our teachers, and just bless them and comfort them and help them to continue to do the good work that they're doing. Father, be with Brother Ken and Brother Doug, and just bless them and let them do their good work. And be with all those that work in the food pantry and the closed cottage, all help with the college ministry, and just bless them and let them continue their good, their good work. Father, be with all those that are sick and afflicted, just bless them and comfort them and help them get better each day. And Father, just watch over our nation and keep us strong and free and let more people turn back to thee each day so that we might have a more Christian nation. And all these things I ask in Jesus' name, amen. While our teachers are going to class, we'll sing one verse of 886. 886 while the teachers go to class.
here. Wherever you like. You can stand up there on that if you want to. Uh, we've probably got a stool here. I'll get started. Be better they can see you from here. Whatever you We're going to go ahead and get started so that Brother Pig will have as much time as possible. Your mission team always looks during the four quarters of the year for one of the works that we're supporting highlight. And this first quarter, we have invited John Pig to come and give a presentation about the work that he's doing in Mexico with GTO. He's, how long have you been involved with that work? Probably. 14 years or so, and I, I have no idea how long we've been involved with him in that, but I know so long as we've known about it, Anita and I are just thrilled to hear the stories and to hear the reports, and they're kind of in a transition right now, and I'm sure Brother Pig will talk some about that, but we're thankful that he's still involved, and a lot of good things are happening in Mexico as a direct result of his work. Now, he brought one of his elders with him, Jerry Miller. Jerry's also made several trips to Mexico, and I don't know, it sounds like we're going to be involved in the future with that too. So we're thankful to have them, and you know, while they're here, if you have some questions, I'm sure they'll be happy to share with you anything that they know that will help you to better understand the work that they're doing. So, Brother Pig, now's your time to thrill us about this work. Thank you, Brother Ken. Appreciate so very much the elders here. I've known all of them many years, far longer than I've known Ken. And I've known Doug Smith for a long time. I knew his father much longer than that. My age is kind of showing in my head. But uh, so good to be here with you. Brother Tommy said that uh, because this is a special mission presentation that I could take as much time as I wanted. Is that all right? You can stay as long as you want, but we're leaving here. <laughs> okay. All right. Y'all mind if I sit, stand right here? I, I, I feel closer to you. I can see your eyeballs a little bit better. So, uh, but I am glad to have Brother Jerry here. Jerry doesn't know this. But see, I've been praying daily for God to bring somebody else into this ministry that was younger and, and, more, and smarter and, and, and everything. And Jerry's already been down there three times and he's sold, sold out on this program just uh, as much as I am now. And so uh, uh, who knows, next time uh, you have a presentation, Brother Jerry Miller might be the man. But I guarantee you he can do it. He, he loves that work, and I'm so thankful to have him with me. Uh, this was his first time to go to Fried Hardeman Lectureship, and it's been a joy for us to be together and to hear some, some of the best uh, lessons that I've ever heard in my life on the book of Revelation. Well, I want to, I want to commend you, church, for your commitment to missions uh, this is a Bible class, so let me just throw a few scriptures at, at you that I know you're familiar with. When we talk about missions, we know that there are five times in which the Great Commission is given in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and also at the first of Acts. But just think about what Mark said in Mark 16. When he said, go preach the gospel to every creature he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be condemned. There are six mandates in that great commission that I know you understand. It's motivation, uh, motivational for this church, and I appreciate so very much you being a missionary church. But think about the fact that there is a mandated performance. Go. A mandated People, go ye, that's you, that's me. Go into all the world, to every creature, the mandated place. And then he, there's the mandated proclamation, preach the gospel. And then there's the mandated plan. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. And then there's the mandated problem, 
He that believeth not shall be condemned. I think about that a whole lot. And when I go to Mexico, that, 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 that's just dwelling on my mind and motivating me to be more involved in missions like you are here. You're not only a going church, and because you're a going church, you're a growing church. But in addition to being a growing church, you're a sending church. Paul said in the book of Romans in chapter 10, Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved, but how shall they call on him in whom they have not uh, heard? And how, uh, uh, and how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach except they, what church? Be sent. And so you are a sending church, a missionary church going and sending. And then you're a supporting church. Boy, I tell you what now, I got a nice little check here from the Boonville Church of Christ just a while ago. And I appreciate that so very much. And I'm going to tell you some ways in which we put that to use. Paul had a, 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 a Macedonian call to go into Europe, and he ended up going to Philippi. And he planted a, a church there. The Lord planted the church through his teaching and his preaching. And later he wrote a letter to the Philippian church. And in the fourth chapter he says, you know, there was no church that supported me like you folks did. Even from the very beginning. And when I went over to the Thessalonica, no church supported me but you only. And, and that describes the Boonville Church. You're, you're a missionary church. You're a going church. You're a supporting church. And uh, we appreciate so much what you're doing down in Mexico. Let me just quickly remind you of where we are. We're in central Mexico, 130 million people. We're in the state of Guanajuato, which is the sixth largest uh, state in, in all of Mexico, over 6 million people. If you took the state of Arkansas's population and Mississippi together, we got more people than these two states in the state of Guanajuato. When we first went there, you see Guanajuato City, a quarter of a million people, there was no church. Celaya, you see on the map, 600,000 people and there was no church. Irapuato, 450,000 people and no church. And today we've got 30 churches of Christ scattered all over Guanajuato as a result of churches like yourself that have partnered with us at Lake Harbor Drive to carry on this great work. There are actually two directors in, under the oversight of the elders at Lake Harbor Drive who sponsored this work. We provide over half of the financial budget of this, uh, the annual budget, and then we have to have other congregations to help us and cooperate with us because we've accelerated it. We've, we've expanded it. Our goal is to plant the church in every city of that state right now. That's our, uh, that's our aim, our target. That is at least 20 to 25,000 people. And we've made tremendous progress in that way. I can't tell you how much I love and appreciate and, and, and the partnership, the fellowship, the evangelistic uh, 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 association that I have with Fernando Arrero. He came last January, and I was in hopes that we could bring him here and you get to visit him, and that didn't work out. But let me just tell you real briefly this great gospel preacher that you support, that you're involved with, he, he was a very worldly man when he was a young man. He's not from Guanajuato. He's down in South Mexico from a huge city of over 2 million people by the, na by, by the name of uh, Puebla. His grandmother uh, eventually learned the gospel and she became a Christian. And she was trying to get him and his brother to come to the Church of Christ, Iglesia de Cristo in Puebla. He didn't want to have anything to do with it. And then one day she, uh, she got to thinking, well, what can I do to motivate him? There was a beautiful red-headed girl in the Church of Christ in Puebla. Her name was Tony. 
And her daddy was an elder there. And, uh, and so uh, she said to Tony one day, she said, I have a grandson. Would you, would you like to meet him? She said, well, sure. And so she went home and she told Fernando, there, there's this beautiful redheaded girl in the church and, 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 and it would be great for you to meet her and she'd like to meet you. Well, all of a sudden he got interested <laughs> and he went to church with her. And boy, did his eyes bug out when he saw Tony. And she is a gorgeous Mexican girl. Well, they got to dating, uh, uh, and, and they got kind of serious. And then one day, uh, he started telling her a little bit more about how much he loved her and so forth. And she said, well, now, I need to get one thing straight with you, Fernando. I intend to marry a Christian. Well, he thought he was a Christian. He was a Roman Catholic Christian, but so it hurt his feelings real bad. But he got over it because he really liked Tony. And then as they got a little closer to one another, Tony opened up to him and said, Fernando, I need to tell you something. I intend to marry a missionary. He said, you have got to be crazy. I'm intending to marry you, and there's no way I am going to be a missionary. Well, he ate those words because it wasn't long until he obeyed the gospel, and then he got involved with the church, and then he began to grow spiritually, and the church there saw his potential in preaching and teaching, and they encouraged him to go to the school of preaching in Toluca, and he went, and Tony went with him, and uh they uh, uh, were there, graduated in honors. In fact, he, he, was, he graduated with such high numbers and that they wanted to hire him as a future professor for the school. But he told the professor, I want to be a missionary. My wife wants to be a missionary. And, and, and we've already committed to the Lord. That's what we're going to do. Enter a elder and his wife, Nelma and Marlon Ivy, on vacation. You talk about the providence of God working in foreign mission evangelism. They came to San Miguel, a city of 200,000 people, and there was no church. And they said, we got to do something about this. And he called the Sunset School of Preaching, and they said, call the school at Toluca. I understand they've got two or three graduates there. And he called, and one of them was Fernando and Marlon Ivy invited him to come to San Miguel. He came. He came with a preacher buddy that's graduating also. And he also came with one of his professors because that professor was protecting his property. He didn't want him to go to San Miguel. He wanted him to stay at the school of preaching. Well, they had a great interview. Marlon offered him the job on the spot after he met this great young preacher and, 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 and then they headed back to Toluca, and they had an automobile accident. They could have all been killed, total the vehicle. And Fernando's friend said, Fernando, it's a sign from God. He said, what do you mean a sign from God? Yeah, this wreck is a sign from God. Don't go to San Miguel. And he said, oh, it's not a sign from God. It's just an accident. Well, he came to San Miguel. And from that beginning, this great work we now call Mission GTO began. I call it GTO when we took over seven years ago. Not only because that is the logo you see on the intersections and billboards all over Mexico, but when people ask me, what does that stand for? I say, go tell Jesus, or go tell others. That's what it stands for. And that really is the heart of what we're doing. So I've introduced to you Fernando, a great administrator, now an elder of the church, gospel preacher. And he sets the standard for gospel preachers all over Mexico. In fact, if you got to hear him preach, he, probably, he may not... Uh, stand on the same level of Brother Ken Forrest. But I'm going to tell you one thing. He sets the standard in the United States for a lot of preachers. I, love, I hope today that you'll get to meet this great uh, evangelist and preacher. 
One of the things that I am most thankful for is when we took over 14, uh, seven years ago, none of the churches that was being supported at that time, the, the preachers that were in mission churches were self-supporting. And when the elders asked me to take over the oversight, I said, well, we've got to put in some new strategies and some new methods uh, <clears throat> to bring this, this work to another level and particularly to bring churches to self-supporting. And so uh, pat yourselves on the back, brothers and sisters in Christ, and give God the glory because we now have 14 congregations that are off of American dollars. They're doing well. And we appreciate all of these congregations. You're now supporting 11 Mexican missionaries. We don't support the churches. We support the missionaries. And they, with God's blessings, are, through the preaching of the gospel, are able to uh, plant churches. Uh, <clears throat> in 2022, we planted five new missions. Uh, in 23, we planted six new missions. Now, how were we able to do that? Fernando has been asking me for two or three years or telling me, John, there's a, a, a way by which we can uh, accelerate this work. We can advance this work. I can't tell you what a passion he has for lost souls to bring them into the kingdom. And, and I said, well, what is that, Fernando? And he said, let's get some of our missionaries to do double duty. Wherever they're, the city in which they're planted, let's find a city within 50 to 60 miles of where they are and have them to go over one day a week and evangelize and then go back on Sunday afternoon. We'll rent a building for them to, to, to work out of and we'll start a, a, new, a, a, a new mission to go along with the existing mission. We went before our missionaries and presented that plan to them. Every single one of them were willing to do it. And so that's how we've been able to expand, accelerate, and yet it hadn't cost us a whole lot more money. We do have to pay the rent on the new building that we have in the, in the city. We pay the preacher's expenses to go back and forth, but we don't pay him any additional salary. And uh, they are excited about it, and they're doing such a great job. We're already having conversions in every one of these new mission churches. I've spent about 30 years with Sardis Lake Christian Youth Camp. When I used to preach at Salem, near where Doug's dad preached in Florence, I went down to Maywood, the great Christian camp at Maywood. I think that's where uh, y'all primarily go. But on the other side of the state is Sardis Lake Christian Camp, and, and I've got a lot of experience with that. And f so soon after I took over leadership, I began to talk to our elders about starting a youth camp down there. And also, in all of our churches, we were converting many young teenagers. And they needed an opportunity to get to know each other. They needed a, 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 a way by which they could grow spiritually uh, with one another. And I knew youth camp was one way that that could happen. And they could convert their friends by bringing their friends to camp. And so I started pushing that. And uh, the elders are just like elders everywhere else. They say, well, John, you raise the money and we'll do it. So I raised the money. And we did it. Last July, we had 116 teenagers from all over Guanajuato to come in a place where we were able to have camp. A great camp. And we appreciate. So look at those kids. Isn't that wonderful? And uh, these Children who are Christians, we're talking about first-generation Christians. Many of them, their parents are not Christians. A lot of them, their parents are Christians. And it's because of the work that we've been doing together. Our preachers in Mexico were the teachers, and uh, the ladies were the cooks. And uh, they just did a wonderful job. They're all excited about doing it again this coming Sunday. Our preacher, Dustin Abbott, went down and worked with Fernando, and they organized. We took uh, uh, several from the Lake Harbor Drive down with us. Those are the uh, folks who went down with us. And these are the tents that they stayed in. Now, 
I didn't get to go last summer. Uh, I had uh, a, a brother-in-law to pass, and I had to stay and conduct his funeral. And and I, in one way, I was glad I didn't go because you know I'm 77 years old, and I didn't want to have to stay in a tent. But I'm going in July, and Les Ferguson Sr. wants to go also, who was the previous director. And I told Fernando, I said, you know, we're going to go into Common Fort. We're going to stay in the hotel. He said, no, no way. You're going to stay in the tent, brother. And so I'm going to be standing in one of those tents. That's just the boy's side. And then we have a girl's side. You can see all the activities that these kids were engaged in. They had a grand old time. These teenage Mexican Christians had never in their life experienced what they experienced last July. To be away from sex and alcohol and drugs and, and evil of all kinds in their cities and to come together in that culture and that climate and that environment. And they're so excited about wanting to go back already next year. We had Bible classes in the morning. We had evangelistic services in the evenings. We only had four baptisms, and that was a little bit disappointing for us because I anticipated that we would have more conversions. But we're having conversions in the congregations after camp, and that's, uh, and that's a great thing. Last September, we had Les Ferguson and his son to go in, in San Miguel and conduct uh, a marriage seminar. It was 150 people for two nights came. I told Fernando, I said, I want every one of our preachers and every one of our wives, because we've had a little difficulty with some of our preachers and wives in their marriage situations, to come to this marriage seminar. Do everything you can to encourage them. And when, when, when they conducted this uh, marriage seminar, every, every, all 11 of our preachers and their wives were there both nights. And when that was reported to me, I asked Fernando, how were you able to get them all there from all over the state? He said, simple. I told him, if you want to get paid next month, you've got to be there. <laughs> That's Fernando. He, my congregation knows me as a pusher. Well, listen, nobody can push harder than Fernando. And so that's what makes him a great director down there, encouraging. This next September, we're going to have a seminar on apologetics. That's their request. And, for, and so Les will be going back for that. In, in our January meeting, we, every time we go down, we always spend two days in a workshop training, teaching, motivating, encouraging all of the preachers, all their wives, and we invite the leaders from the self-supporting churches. We had nearly 50 to come, and that's all them together that we just had just a couple of weeks ago. Again, when you look at those faces, I want you to understand that anywhere from maybe 10 years ago to 22 years ago, none of those people were Christians. And today they're spiritual leaders of the churches in uh, Guanajuato. And you've been a part of that. Here's just the preachers and, and just a great group of guys. I, I weep when I get to meet them. I tremble almost when I hug them and, and kiss them. I do give them a holy kiss down there, Ken. I don't know if you do holy kisses, but I do. I grew up in, a, in an Italian family. You kiss men three times. You kiss them uh, on the cheek twice going in. Well, four times. And then you kiss them twice on the cheek going out. And I'm, I'm just a kissing machine. You, uh, stay around me, you'll find out. But anyway... Uh, these are great guys and partners with us in, in spreading the God. These are the women. And you ought to go to the buildings where we rent and see the walls. Some of them have even uh, done artwork on the walls like you have probably here. And they're teaching the younger women and doing such a great job. When I go down, I do some personal evangelism. I had the opportunity just a couple of weeks ago to baptize three people that I had Bible studies with, but that's really not my aim when I go down there. I teach them how to do personal work. I help them to see, hey, if you go into a city and they don't have any Christians there, what's use is it going to be for you to stay in your office and study the Bible all day long? You need to get out into the community. And so we ask our preachers every month, to give us a report 
and we want a report of you having made anywhere from 10 to 15 contacts every day. Two to three Bible studies every week. And if you'll plant the seed, God's promised he'll bring the harvest. Amen? And we're seeing that with daily and weekly conversions to Christ. So we get them together and we train them, we motivate them, we pray with them, we cry with them. We try to uh, uh, bring lessons that they request from time to time, but that's what we do. We have a wonderful interpreter. He is Fernando's son. He's a young preacher. He preaches once a month in San Miguel. And incidentally, the San Miguel church today started out as a mission church 22 years ago. It's the largest church in all of the state today. Has an eldership, has deacons, and this young man has the gift of interpretation. He's been studying English since he was seven years old. He can uh, he can speak English, read it and write it and speak it better than I can. And he's a young preacher. And so he is a great interpreter. I mean, his little mind, uh, that, it, it functions so quickly, I, I'm amazed every time we have him to interpret for us. One of the exciting things that happened two or three weeks ago is we decided to have a joint service in San Miguel and invite Christians from all the churches throughout the state to come and be with us on a Sunday. We didn't know what kind of attendance we would have. When I got there, people started coming in and coming in and coming in. We have 464. That beats the Boonville Church just about, doesn't it? But anyway, these were first-generation Christians. I can't tell you how that moved me to look across that audience and to see men and women and boys and girls, and many of them were people that our preachers were studying with that were not Christians. And I had the opportunity to preach to everyone there. What a great event that was. Have you heard of buckets of blessings for the Ukraine? Are y'all familiar with that? Uh, Five-gallon buckets for the refugees. They fill them up with all kinds of supplies and things. I think it's a, a, a church in Arkansas that has been doing that now for several years. I got that idea because a friend of mine is involved in that, and I said, we've got to come up with some way to reach out into the homes and, and build relationships and start with the poorest of the poor in the community and do something that the Roman Catholic Church is not doing and none of the denominational churches that are in the area are doing and we can make an impact. And I thought about, well, let's buy two gallon buckets. And how many of you have been to the Mexican restaurant where I went this evening? You don't know which one I went to, do you? But, but when you order a Mexican dish at the restaurant, what are the two things that you're going to get? just about. Rice and beans. <laughs> well, that's the staple item. So we fill that bucket up with rice and beans and salsa and oil and other products. And they go door to door and to the poorest neighborhoods and they give that bucket to them. There's a, a, a label on the bucket telling all about it. And the senorita or senora or senor that comes to the door, they're so thankful to get that bucket. Now, these are homes that in, it, it, normally when they go knock on the door, they're not interested in even letting you come in the door. They will some talk with you just a little bit. And we have set up some Bible studies, just cold turkey like that. But generally, that, that, that's not very effective. But when you give them that bucket of food, and, and then when you come back the next week, what do they say? Well, Brother Jerry, glad to see you again. Come on in. And now you're in the house. And then you do other follow-ups. And we're already seeing conversions as a result of our buckets of blessings. We did that in one mission church last year. It was so effective. I went to the elders and I said, we have got to expand this in all of our missions, and particularly in those uh, 11 or, or, or 12 new missions that we have set up in the last two years where we don't really have a congregation yet and they need contacts. They need to be able to open doors for Bible studies. And you know the old adage, sometimes people don't care what we teach until they know how much we care. 
And you have to mix benevolence with evangelism and edification. And so that's what we're doing, and it's opening all kind of doors for us, and we're so thankful for it. I mentioned that we had several conversions in our last trip, and uh, these are some of the people that were baptized just a few weeks ago. Let me introduce you real quickly to our team uh, uh, in Mission GTO, Mexico. This is, this is uh, 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 Tony. I told you she's a good-looking woman, red-headed woman, Tony and Fernando. When I first met Fernando, he had black hair. <laughs> and every time I go, he's got two or three more gray hairs on his head. Boy, he's carrying a big load, uh, but he's a, he's a worker. And every time I go down there, Sister Tony pulls me aside and she says, you need to talk to my husband. He doesn't spend enough time with me. But they're a great couple. And they've got two wonderful children. And uh, we love them so very much. You see that cathedral in the picture there, every town, every city has got a cathedral, maybe two or three cathedrals. For, uh, San Miguel here has about three or four cathedrals. They're all like museums. They're icons. When you, the people worship these buildings. I, uh, uh, I took two of my elders with me that had never been before just a couple of weeks ago, and I said, just observe these people when they go up to, the t uh, to that temple, to that cathedral. Everywhere there's a, a statue, they, 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 they stop and, and they do all kind of devotions to those statues. That whole thing. Our preachers, we don't, have, we don't build buildings. Now, that's not in our program. Now, are we opposed to buildings? No. That's just not what we do. Our goal is to evangelize, save souls, and plant churches. And, uh, and, and we're effective at it. But the downside is we're doing that in rented buildings, in folding chairs, and in the shadow of these cathedrals. You know what I tell our preachers? You're no different than Peter, Paul, and Timothy, and Titus, and the other Christians of the first century. There, there was the Jewish temple in Jerusalem. There were all kind of pagan temples in every city throughout the Roman Empire. They had to build the church. They didn't own church buildings for years and years and years. And yet the church took the gospel to the whole Roman Empire in less than 30 years. And they did it under severe persecution. Now, if they did that in first century, we ought to be able to do it in the 21st century in Mexico. And we are. But we've had to motivate them and encourage them because it's intimidating. And it's, it's difficult for people to come to a place this rented folding chairs, and when they've been going to one of these places all their life. Incidentally, I didn't grow up in the Church of Christ. I fell in love with a skinny little girl that I ended up marrying by the name of Beth. She doesn't weigh but 108 pounds today after 58 years. But I, she had invited me to go to church, church with her one Sunday, and, and, and I went, and it was in a rented building, and it was folding chairs. And there was no piano and no guitars and no drums. And I thought, what in the world has this young girl got into in my town? I need to convert her. And I went to my preacher and I said, you've got to give me some ammunition to help convert this girlfriend of mine. Well, he gave me the wrong ammunition. And I kept studying with her and studying with her. And instead of me converting her, she converted me. Well, I've got that experience as a young man in coming to the Lord in a rented building in folding chairs. And I remind our preachers of that every time that I go down. Fernando and Tony. Fernando is our director of our school of evangelism. It's called the Latin America Biblical Institute. We, don't, we used to have a lot of students come into San Miguel one or two days a week it's a three-year school, uh, <clears throat> but the pandemic hit, and that kind of shut that down. But actually, we're teaching more people today than we have uh, 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 10 years ago because they're online. 
and elder uh, uh, men and women and, and young people in all of our churches are online with Fernando two nights a week studying biblical uh, uh, subjects that, that, that's in that, that curriculum. This is Ishmael and Patty Galvin. They're in Guanajuato City. Guanajuato City didn't have a church when we started. And we planted a church there and it grew. And then it got up to about 60 or 70 people and, and the devil got in the mix and, it, it, and they had a division and, and it decreased. We didn't have the oversight of this work at that time. When we took over, it just kept on dwindling. And I said, listen, we've got to get back into Guanajuato. That's the capital city. We need a strong church there. Several universities are there. It's a very educated city. Uh, what can we do? And we decided to put Ishmael back in there. Ishmael is one of our most talented, passionate evangelists that we've got on our team. And he and his wife, Patty, are doing a great job. And he's also helping us start a new work it, that I just went and visited a couple of weeks ago that I'd never been to that city. It's Twin Cities, uh, uh, Permissima, Del Recon, and then San Francisco, Del Recon is just one main street that separates the two cities. One city's got 80,000 people in it, and the other city's got 120,000 people in it. Big populated area. He's going over two days a week to help us start that work. And... Uh, and incidentally, he's, he's, he's already had uh, Bible studies and, con and, and a couple of conversions. This is one of our older missionaries. Uh, he was converted by Fernando. He and his wife, Tony, went through a school of preaching in Toluca where F Fernando went. And uh, just last year, he brought the church in uh, Villagran to self-supporting. And we give the preachers a choice once uh, they reach that point. Either you train at least three men and their wives to take over the leadership of the church, or you stay and become bivocational, and, uh, or we're willing to send you to another work if you've got men trained and developed. Well, in Sergio's case, he had three men. They've taken over that leadership of that church, doing a great job, and we sent Sergio and, and Anna to Ocampo. And he brought all of his converts with him two Sundays ago. They had a whole table full of people. And so he's, he's, he's finally broken ice. It took him about six months to even get, have one conversion. But now it's just, it's, 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 it's snowballing. And we're just grateful for this outstanding young uh, uh, preacher and his wife. He's not young anymore. Hector and Mari Cabello, uh, we sent him to Penjamo four years ago, started from scratch. This guy, man, he can teach a course on personal evangelism better than anybody I know if he was here because he's done it there. And he has a, the second largest congregation in all of the state right now, about 40 or 50 people. And he did it in only four years. Our goal is to try to bring it, a church to self-supporting within seven to ten years. I predict this church will have the next eldership. It will also be the next self-supporting church, Penjamo. And this is Eric and Angelus Morales. They were really struggling to try to make a dent in that city of about 100,000 people. And then that's where we started that Buckets of Blessings. And now he's got a house full of people coming as a result of the Bucket of Blessings, doing a great job. This is your missionary in Iglesia de Cristo uh, Herecaro, and he's also helped, uh, helping us start a new work in Tara de Cuo. Raul was, and his wife Janet were converted in Joventina Rosa and uh, got involved in leadership like a lot of your young men do here at Boonville. And before long, he wanted to do more than that. And he asked us about coming on our team, and we uh, worked with him for a while in Joventina Rosa, sort of tested him. Uh, put him on a partial salary. He did such a great job that we decided then to send him uh, to this uh, new work. And uh, one day he got a call in, in Tara Kuo from a 
65-year-old woman, a Christian, who had moved there about 25 miles away, and she was not able to come uh, to Herekaro on Sunday, and she invited him to come to her house. And she had several kinfolks, and she wanted him to do Bible studies with them. Anyway, cut to the chase. We now have a church in that town, and we don't even have to pay rent because we're meeting in her house. And it's just worked out real well. Fine, fine young preacher, and he's got such a darling wife. Alejandro and Alejandra are unique. They came from Puebla in South Mexico. We brought them on our team two years ago and uh, just doing a marvelous job. This guy has converted. It Typically, we will convert uh, three men or, or ten women to every three men. I, I'm, I'm just pretty much in, on, on target there. He has the reverse. He's converted 11 men to three women. I was there just a few weeks ago. The house was full of men and women. And we baptized a man and his wife while we were there. I want you to pray for Alejandro. He's your missionary. You pray for him. And he had a stroke about six months ago. He's recovering. And now he's preaching back. But he's still got a little ways to go to fully recover and to be back at 100%. Not sure he's going to get to 100%. But we're holding, holding hope for him and praying for him that he'll be able to pull through this episode of bad health in his life and be able to continue the good work that he's doing. That little church just loves him so much. I mean, he's full of energy, and he's got such a darling wife, and, and they're a great team. Uh, last year, we put Leonardo and Danella into Acambaro, and he's also now helping us start a work in Taramaro, and he's al already have converts in Taramaro. This is David and Rebecca. They are your missionaries in Victoria, and uh, they're also in another city called Chichu, up in the mountains, and uh, we just started that bucket of blessings there, and it's opening doors for him. This is Brian Conti. He's uh, one of our uh, single preachers. He's helping the church in Celaya because that's a church that also had lost its leadership. He just goes there on Sunday morning and preaches for them because he doesn't really have a congregation in Apostle de Grande yet. And then he, he spends the other days there. And then the last brother that we just hired, I'd never met him until two weeks ago, Roberto, just an outstanding young man. And we're put him in Irapuato. Irapuato is a city of 450,000 people. And there, there is a congregation there, but they had lost their leadership. And last fall, they wrote us a, 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 a letter begging us to help bring them another preacher. And we just cannot abandon these churches after we've worked so hard and put so much into it. And so we said, this is a big city. We need to help them. And so we found Roberto uh, from the uh, uh, Monterey School of Preaching in North Mexico. And he comes with tremendous recommendations. And uh, pray for him because he developed just last week a hernia. And next month, uh, he will go in for surgery for that. We don't think it's going to hinder his health. But uh, keep, keep him in your prayers also. Church, we love you. I hope that this update this evening has uh, encouraged you. Uh, Pat you says on the back for all the good work that's going on down there. Pray for our youth camp this coming summer. Uh, pray for me because I've got to stay in a tent. But uh, we appreciate your contribution, your prayers, your support, your love. When I come walking in those back doors and I mention John Pig, I get hugs and appreciation from so many of you. I, I'm so grateful to be uh, uh, your short-term missionary. And uh, I, I just thank you so very much from the bottom of my heart for the association that we've had together here for many, many years. I love you, and I'm grateful for you and your preacher Ken and Brother Doug and your elders and, and every family here. Let's close with a prayer, and then we'll be dismissed. Holy Father, you are truly a mighty and awesome God. 
And your word teaches us that you're full of grace and mercy. You've demonstrated that in saving so many hundreds and thousands of people through the centuries. And today in Mexico, they're wonderful churches of Christ with a spirit decor, with, with a, a spirit of unity and love and appreciation for you and your gospel and 11 missionaries that this church is involved in supporting and they're doing such terrific work, Lord. And I just thank you for uh, their love and prayer and, and support and encouragement in this great work and help us to continue to be partners to advance your kingdom, uh, not only in Mexico, but I know Boonville is involved in a lot of other good works and I appreciate the evangelistic missionaries sending, supporting spirit of the Boonville Church. Bless them, Father, in every way as they may continue and even do more in 24 for you and to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing. Um.